Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Never say never, but never. I plan on leading this team with an unwavering standard. Everybody love everybody. We will call it the golden standard. And this is the standard that will drive this football program to its 12th national championship. With Sean Styers. I like that guy. What you could do is, is you could have a barbecue on that it's head. a good time, you know what I mean? On Sports Radio 960 AM, double. USBT. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. And now your host, Sean Styers. Well, hello and a happy Friday. Hope you're having a great good Friday going into Easter weekend. You know, I remember back in the day when, remember that Heavenly Ham store used to be on Edison in South Bend, right down the street from Notre Dame and, and close to the post office there on Edison. Easter weekend, you know, would roll around and the ham police would be out directing traffic. Do you remember if you live here in town? They actually had ham police in South Bend. I used to talk about this all the time because the Heavenly Ham store it would be so busy right before Easter with people coming and going to get their ham. They would have the traffic cones out and they would actually have police out there on the street directing people in and out of the parking lot there. On Edison, I didn't live too far from there, so I would drive past it all the time. The ham police. Ah, those were the days. But anyway, have a great Easter. Good, good Friday, you know, whether you're working or whatever you happen to be. You know, if you have the day off, whatever it happens to be. But uh, another day, another week, somebody wants to write something about Brian Kelly. So here we are. You know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of Notre Dame fans are tired of it by now especially after everything blew up after the two articles that came out last week. But again, here we are. You know, there was one in The Athletic yesterday and one in Sports Illustrated as well. And now the one in The Athletic, more a column written by Matt Fortuna, a guy who's been around, covered Notre Dame for several years. And it says, well, here's the headline. Headline from Matt Fortuna's article or column, I guess I should say again, in the athletic, Brian Kelly needs to win a national title at LSU to validate his decision to leave Notre Dame. And you can imagine in the comments section, it varies quite a bit. <laughs> there were a lot of comments on this, but I mean, it was I I enjoyed reading it, actually. And here's how he starts out. The piece. Here's the thing about Brian Kelly, LSU, and Notre Dame. Kelly needs to win a national title at the former to validate his decision to leave the latter. And the latter needs him to not do that in order to validate its own approach to doing business. Did you follow all that? Plain and simple. Rarely does a coaching tenure boil down to a pass-fail metric the way Kelly's at LSU will. But that's the reality he has made for himself after walking away from Notre Dame 12 years into a tenure that featured everything except a national title. And after walking into a place that will accept nothing less than that. That's how Matt Fortuna begins his column, The Athletic. And I, you know, 
I agree. I agree. Now, Fortuna does go back, and you know he he talks about the facility stuff, the upgrades that are needed at the Goog that Kelly highlighted ad nauseum in his you know the two articles he's quoted in last week, but from the Associated Press and CBS Sports. That's neither here nor there. Notre Dame does need to address that. Does Kelly, you know, need to get up on his pulpit and and preach to the choir about it? I don't know, but. You know, the bottom line is Fortuna's thesis here, that Brian Kelly needs to win a national championship at LSU in order to validate his leaving Notre Dame. And I 100% could not agree more. You know, Kelly used two writers last week to rationalize his reasons for leaving Notre Dame. No chef, no kitchen in the goog, no suitable place for the players to eat. Recruiting is easier for him now. And, of course, it is easier for him with all the talent that surrounds him in Louisiana. But, you know, call it a wash because you just you've got to be honest. Brian Kelly himself was never fully invested in recruiting here at Notre Dame. There is no disputing that. He probably would, but there is no disputing that. And the guy who he put out in front of the cameras a little bit more than a year ago to do the most vocal disputing of that followed him down to LSU. So... Whatever. Uh, Everything Brian Kelly, though, has said about why he left Notre Dame, the same season he became the program's all-time winningest coach, everything he said points to one thing and one thing only. He thinks it's easier to win a national championship at LSU than it is at Notre Dame. Some people probably believe him. Some people don't. But, you know, the proof of that, because the school's Last three head coaches, Ed Orgeron, Les Miles, Nick Saban, they all won national championships themselves at LSU. Ohio State can't say that. Alabama can't say that. Neither can Texas, Clemson, Florida, USC. Obviously, Notre Dame can't say that. Pretty much any school that you care to name, three straight coaches have won national championships. One of them's a Hall of Fame coach. The other two, I don't Maybe they're in some halls of fame, but, <laughs> uh, you know, their high school hall of fame, I don't know. But Brian Kelly has more career wins than Miles and Orgeron combined. But Notre Dame still hasn't won a significant bowl game and going on 30 years now. And Brian Kelly, a big goose egg in all those big games he coached in in his time at Notre Dame. None of those games were close. Goes to LSU, got a bigger paycheck, a shiny Tesla, some other perks by going down there. But again, the bottom line, I I agree with this sentiment. Brian Kelly has to win a national championship at LSU because for all the excuses, it is the only reason he made the move. Because, you know, and again, like you look at those two nearly carbon copy articles that came out last week, CBS and the Associated Press, both of them talk about it. The fact that he's got everything but a national championship. You know, he wanted to talk about facilities and chefs and all those other things and and everything else. He's got the bigger paycheck now. He's got all these facilities down there at LSU. So you've got all that. You've got no excuses now. All we got was excuses last week about why he had to leave Notre Dame. So there are no excuses now in the current job. Ten-year contract, boatloads of money, shiny new cars and toys and everything else. Go in your national championship. And if you don't, You're just another coach. Now, the other article that just came out is by Ross Dellinger of Sports Illustrated. 
Do they even have the hard copy of Sports Illustrated still that goes out in the mail? I I don't know. I used to subscribe for years and, you know, canceled it two or three years back. I don't know how long it's been now. You know, and it's like the the they they changed everything they did with Sports Illustrated. I used to love getting it. But anyway, they tweeted an SI cover picture of Brian Kelly. Uh, I guess it was yesterday. It's like a, it's a cartoon picture of Kelly and it says let's dance and it's a you know a nod to his now infamous social media recruiting videos that he's um, done since he's been there at LSU but there's you know a lot less finger pointing and whining from Brian Kelly in this article compared to the two pieces that came out last week but some interesting comments and quotes in there nonetheless as you would expect Dellinger uh, for one had this to say about Kelly leaving. This is the uh, author, the writer of the article. In one of the most unique coaching transitions in the history of college football, a man many regard as the polar opposite to his predecessor, Ed Orgeron, now sits on one of the sport's richest thrones through a pair of unprecedented moves. The coach who was fired 21 months after winning a national title, one of the quickest performance-based dismissals in the sport, was replaced by a man who became the first Notre Dame coach in more than 100 years to leave for another college job on his own volition. That is from Ross Dellinger. And, I mean, that's saying something. Notre Dame has always been a destination job. It's a coveted in different ways. Brian Kelly made everyone believe he coveted it when he left Cincinnati. But remember that karmic chorus of boos that he got from Cincinnati fans inside Notre Dame Stadium just a week after he broke Nuke Rotney's all-time wins record. They let you know how they feel about Brian Kelly a dozen years later. They finally got their chance to let him know how they felt about the way he left them before an Orange Bowl to come to Notre Dame. And of course, the ultimate revenge was the team did the job and won the game and ended up in the college football playoff. If if Notre Dame wins that game, they're back in the playoff once again. But they lost to his old team, got heckled by the old fan base and all those red-clad fans inside Notre Dame Stadium. But it's ultimately the same way that Brian Kelly left Notre Dame to go to LSU, same way he did, same way he left Cincinnati. And Dellinger talked to uh, some different people for the for this article. There was uh, Mike Golick Jr., Brady Quinn, Eric Hansen, former colleague and of course uh, longtime Notre Dame football writer. You know, some different people quoted in the article. But um, here's what Brady Quinn had to say. Well, well, first, here's what Dellinger said and then I'll, t- then I'll give you the quote from Brady Quinn. So Dellinger says, it's not that he left but how and when according to Quinn. Kelly left for LSU six days before the release of the final college football playoff rankings. The Irish finished one spot out of the Final Four, but if they made it, Notre Dame would have played a playoff game without their head coach. So here now here's what Brady Quinn says. Quote, that's where I think it hurt people around the program. It was hard to grasp not waiting a week. He left the university in a better place than when he found it. He won the most games as any Notre Dame coach. There's something to be said for that but some of it now seems disingenuous. A big contract flashes in front of your face and you go. Anyone who has suffered a heartbreak in a relationship knows that you remember how it ended. Where was LSU going to turn if they didn't get Brian Kelly? He doesn't have control over the timing of that. 
He could have waited, end quote. Again, that's from Brian or yeah, Brady Quinn. And now, according to Kelly, LSU would have moved on to the next candidate if he hadn't left when he did. Here's the quote from Brian Kelly. Quote, everybody is like, how can you leave your team? LSU controlled the timeline, he says. It wasn't the Brian Kelly timeline. The Brian Kelly timeline would have been, hey, can you wait for me? Hold the job open because I'd like to hang around Notre Dame until we know what's going on, end quote. So, again, that is from Brian Kelly. First time he's really addressed that, that I have seen anyway. He definitely didn't address that in uh, in either of the articles last week. That's the first time that I've seen that from him. Now, here's uh, Brian Kelly on the subject of winning a national championship at Notre Dame. Quote, I never went into the office saying we can't win a title. I went into the office every day looking for the reason we could. But part of the lure of this job is there are so many more avenues toward that. There are not as many paths at Notre Dame. I'm not trying to skirt the answer as much as I really believed. For me, it wasn't I'm done here. End quote. And again, that is from Brian Kelly on the subject of the timing of his leaving as well as... um, the winning of national championships. He's not saying that they couldn't win a national championship. He was looking for reasons they could win a national championship, but they could just never do it, according to Brian Kelly. Well, the the fact of the matter is he's done here now at Notre Dame. And again, I know a lot of fans are, are tired of talking about him and, and everything else, but these things keep popping up, and there's some relevance in there into his rationalization slash excuses, whatever, for his time here at Notre Dame and how he left it. Whether or not you buy that, well, you know, that's up to you. Because the original, like he's sitting here talking about this timeline that LSU wants him now, and supposedly, according to when this stuff first came out, this was like a less than 48-hour deal between the contact that Brian Kelly got and the decision, you know, now you've got to leave or not, and then, you know, some of the stuff last week did talk about it was a 10-day process. So, who are you believing? But I, I think both Notre Dame and LSU are better off right now with Brian Kelly being where he is. LSU plummeted the last two years after winning a national championship. And I do think that Kelly's structure ultimately will be good for that program, better for that program than what they had with Ed Orgeron. Like, you read the stuff about Ed Orgeron and how he left, you know, even though Ed showed up here at Notre Dame this week with his sons and was hanging around and palling around with Marcus Freeman, and that was cool. And, you know, he met Marcus Freeman through the interview process down there at LSU a little bit more than a year ago. But the stuff that you, you know, that some of the reports about why LSU decided to move on again 21 months after the guy won a national championship, it wasn't just the record that his teams had in the season and a half he was there afterward. It was the why he had that record. You know, like he was he was a little bit more into being celebrity go Tigers Ed Orgeron than actually coaching the football team. You know, chasing ladies around. You know, there was like one different, like, and I don't want to, mischaracterize it but apparently he was at a gas station and he was hitting on this lady at the gas station and it turned out to be the wife of a higher up within the university and it's you know and by the way married and everything else so it's just like 
Ed Orgeron became a different guy. He became celebrity Ed Orgeron more than coach Ed Orgeron after winning that national championship. And so that, you know, as much as whatever recruiting did or didn't take place, you know, played a part in why they were what they were and why LSU decided it was time to move on from him less than two years after winning a national championship. But, you know, as, as for Brian Kelly, he did leave Notre Dame, as Brady Quinn said. He did leave Notre Dame in a much better place than he found it. There was, what, like a couple of decades of, not, not quite a couple of decades, but a lot of instability between Bob Davey, Tyrone Willingham, Charlie Weiss, the three coaches that followed Lou Holtz after the Lou Holtz era, a lot of instability and, you know, 500, even sub 500 one year and then, okay, a pretty good year the next. It was this constant roller coaster. Is it finally going to stick? Is it ever going to trend upwards? And now it took some time for Brian Kelly to get Notre Dame into that place. But the last five years bared a lot of fruit. So he did leave it in a better place. And while I do think that there will be, uh, you know, some game day growing pains under Marcus Freeman that, you know, we're going to see out. I don't think that it's all just going to be smooth sailing for Marcus Freeman. A rookie head coach is going to, you know, it's, there are going to be some things that, that kind of get up on him pretty quickly and how he's going to handle that. You know, those things, we'll see that. But the recruiting is in a much better place right now. The talent was already good, but now it's got a chance to be as good as the teams Notre Dame is competing against in the playoffs. Because, again, like you go back to Brian Kelly, it's something to be in the college football playoff in two of three years and then get into a New Year's Six Bowl this past year as well in what should have been a college football playoff year. But would we have seen that same repeat? If they get to the playoff, Brian Kelly – if they beat Cincinnati in the regular season, Brian Kelly is still here, and we've got a completely different discussion going on right now about what did or didn't happen in that semifinal game. Did they win that game? Did they get to you know, the championship game? All those different things. But recruiting's better now. Uh, Notre Dame is competing you know, to stay in that upper echelon. And at the end of the day, I think that both Notre Dame and LSU have better chances to win national championships today than they did five months ago. LSU's better off with Brian Kelly than they were at Orgeron, and I think that Marcus Freeman ultimately is is the better option for Brian Kelly right now, or than Brian Kelly right now, because to get to that next level, the recruiting has to trend upward, and they've got the number one ranked recruiting class Right now, they finished strong in the recruiting cycle in 2022. You remember that you know they didn't didn't lose a bunch of guys just because Brian Kelly left, and we all know that Marcus Freeman is ten times the recruiter. Just in the head coaching position, Marcus Freeman ten times the recruiter that Brian Kelly was. So I think that that both programs are better off right now. But also going back to the original point that we started with, I think Brian Kelly's got to win a national championship at LSU to validate everything to validate his move to validate all of this we're going to take a time out when we come back jim irizarry is going to impart some of his sports wagering wisdom upon us he's got five sports wagers for the weekend we will do that brian driscoll from irishbreakdown.com will join me after that to talk about a uh, a recruit and some other notre dame football 
topics. We're brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. Tim Grau State Farm Insurance. Save money on home and auto insurance with Tim, serving both Indiana and Michigan. Call 574-232-9981. Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger's a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. More Budweiser's weekday sports beat is on the way on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It's Jim Irizarry and the Funky Bunch bringing sports wagering talk your way. How are you today? Got the banana hammock on. I'm 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 ready to go. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. (laughs) That's not really a sight that I wanted to envision, but (laughs) nor anyone. Yes, that's right. That's right. I get. I forgot. This is um, you know we usually we've been having Jim on. Fridays for his five sports wagering picks and we've kind of you know subbed it for the my five question of the day I guess I didn't play the my five music but we'll just eh. we'll just go ahead and pretend that I played the my five music so let's let's get into it five picks for the weekend I'm interested to see what you've got because a lot's going on right now we've got uh, NBA play-in games tonight the Bulls will start this weekend of course we've got baseball we've got NHL Still in a lot of different things going on. So what is your number five sports wagering pick for the weekend? Going to go with Tampa Bay at the White Sox tonight. 7-10 is the first pitch there. Uh, White Sox at minus 140 on the money line. I like that pick. Drew Rasmussen, he's been very good for the Rays each of the past two seasons, which is great if you like starting pitchers who can't make it through five innings. (laughs) The the Rays, uh, their bullpen has pitched... 26, almost 27 innings in the past four games. Mm. Starters have accounted for just just over nine of the 36 innings pitched in the past four days. So they are more than worn down. You saw that in the A's series that, that they just went through. White Sox, meantime, had all of yesterday off. Uh, they didn't use any of their top bullpen arms. They're resting all their starters. And they were also one of the best home teams in the league last season. They've got Dylan Cease on the mound tonight. Uh you know, he, he's not he's not there, you know, or I'm sorry, his stuff is that good anyway. He's not there yet, you know, to win a uh, to win a Cy Young. Yeah. But it's coming. Uh, I love this matchup against a, a team that just likes to swing, swing, swing in the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. So take the White Sox at home tonight. All right. All right. By the way, that game on uh, Apple TV Plus only tonight. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that was OK. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Yeah. As a Mets fan who had to deal with this issue last week, let me tell you that I could not find the Mets radio feed fast enough to sync up to the video. Yeah, that so, was uh, that play-by-play that was, booth was a mess. That um, was rough, man. And I and I guess the play-by-play announcer, she's done Orioles radio, but I don't think any of the – they had a three-person booth. None of them had worked together. They just yeah. – chatted incessantly about anything and everything but the game that was going on in front yep. of them. It's like, give us the game. Give us the game. Yep. I'll be interested to see if they improve so, from game one to game two tonight. Something in the game would have been nice. Anything. Something. Yeah, you know? Oh, there's a base hit. Right. That would have been nice. 
Right. So. They were pitching Apple products and talking about going out to dinner and everything else. But Yeah, because Apple has a real publicity problem. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> you don't no one knows where to find Apple products, right? <laughs> what what's what's <laughs> Apple? I don't know. Uh. <laughs> All right. So um bet number four. What's your number four bet for the weekend? <laughs> Uh, got the uh, the first playing game tonight out of the NBA. Atlanta at Cleveland, uh, plus two for Cleveland. I like Cleveland on the spread here. Ooh, Jared okay. Allen is uh, is expected to make his return for the Cavs. He's not completely healthy. He's going to gut it out though and help the Cavs advance. Picking against Trey Young in the playoffs, don't get me wrong, little uneasy feeling. But the Hawks were an ugly, ugly sixteen and twenty five on the road this season, and they haven't beaten a top ten team in either conference on the road since the end of January. They've been 0-9 in that stretch. Wow. Uh, ca- uh, the uh, the Cavs are just you know, a much better team, especially defensively, with Jarrett Allen in there. The Hawks are still without John Collins. Uh, Bogdan, Bogdan-, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, he's <laughs> a, a game-time decision with a left ankle sprain. Atlanta, 6-15 and against the spread in its last 26 away. So I, I'm liking the Cavs, plus two here. That's that's an interesting looking one. With that two twenty three is what I've got on Fanduel for the over under. I I bet a okay. same game parlay on the Hawks the other night, and it was Hawks money line, uh, the game to go under on the points, and Trey Young to go under on his assists. And they were blowing out. Who are they playing? I can't even remember now. But they were blowing out. Whoever they were playing, going into the fourth quarter, they're up by like 30 points or something like that. And was it Charlotte they were playing? Ended up scoring like 36 points in the fourth quarter. They pushed. They pushed on the point total. They landed on the point total. Messed up my parlay. I had the other two legs right. So I get, you know, I don't lose any money, but still, it was, had a good thing going. Right. All right. So, obviously, you have the grudge against the Hawks, too. So yes. So, there you go. All right. Exactly. But I'm thinking <laughs> I'm thinking under on the point total with uh, with just what you outlined with the defense for the Cavs. So, I'm, All right. I'm still looking at that game. All right. What's your number three sports wager, then? Uh, the Cubs at Colorado tonight, 840, the uh, first pitch there. I like this game to go under 10 runs. This is a really good pitching matchup, and they and both of them have really good course field experience. Ermain Marquez, he pitched very well at home last season, eight and three, three sixty seven ERA. Marcus Stroman has pitched well at Coors Field, two and one with a one sixty four ERA in his career. Uh, Rockies have the best bullpen ERA in the major leagues right now. The Cubs bullpen top fifteen in ERA. Uh, this might be the first and last pick ever. For you know a Coors Field under play, yeah. But I mean these two pitchers, I mean they're probably the best two pitchers at Coors Field right now. So let's go with the under, under ten. Let's do it, baby. All right, under ten for that game at Coors Field tonight. I liked that one. Okay, uh, sports wager number two then. All right, we've got the other playing game from the NBA: New Orleans at the Clippers. That's at uh, 10 o'clock tonight. Breaking news, Paul George out tonight for the Clippers in the COVID protocols. Ooh, okay. So you got to come back and play the Pelicans on the spread. All right, maybe the Clippers win close without PG3. It's not impossible, but I like New Orleans to cover the spread of four. New Orleans plus four. 
See, and I'm lo- I've, I was looking at that over under 215 and a half, which is a relatively low number anyway, but with Paul George out, man. Do I yeah, that's go- a lot of defense sitting out right there. I know. So. That's right. Okay, so that was number – was that three or was that two? That was two. That was two. All right, so that leaves us with one sports wager then for the weekend. All right. Uh, Toronto at Philly, 6 p.m. tomorrow night. Uh, that's game one of that series. Uh, Toronto beat, beat the 76ers 119-114 to 114 as three-and-a-half-point uh, home underdogs on April the 7th. They were able to switch every pick-and-roll with their length. Philly shot 50, you know, over 50% from three-point land and still lost that game. Toronto owns a, a, a plus 2.3 point differential. Philly's just plus 2.6 this season. They've got good team chemistry. Nick Nurse, great coach. Yeah, they've won a champ. You know, they've got a lot of championship pedigree still with that team. Take the Raptors plus the points. Uh, they've got a four and a half. Uh, yeah, it's Toronto plus four and a half on this game. Uh, I think this series goes like at least six. At least six. I would as, agree with as that. Far as, uh, as far as how many games they play in this series, I would so agree with that. This is going to be one of the. This is going to be one of the better ones. I just found a boost, an odds boost on Fanduel. What do you think about this one? It's the Happy okay. Hour NBA boost. Darius Garland and Trey Young combined to score sixty plus points tonight. Mm. Plus one eighty on that. Mm. See, I'm not. I'm not positive that Trey Young's going to hold up his end of the bargain yeah see because he 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 went under on his points the other day and it was it was like 32 i think and they've lowered his over under for tonight to 29 and a half so yeah and he had 10 assists the other night so i'm that see that's what that's what's got me thinking it's like you don't know you don't know what you're gonna get uh, you know you, you know you're gonna get 20 plus easily in around 10 assists right. but you know yeah it's like is he going to be distributor more? Is he going to score more? Or are they going to try to lock exactly. him down? All right, Jim. Good stuff. I appreciate it. You have yourself a good weekend and good Easter. I'll talk to you next week. Yeah, happy Easter to you as All well, right. sir. Thank you very much, sir. Bok, bok. Easter bunny, <laughs> if you remember that old commercial. But i got to tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook because the play-in tournament in the NBA wraps up tonight. No sure things except one. You bet at least 20 bucks in same-game parlays on FanDuel Sportsbook you'll get an instant bonus, win or lose. That's right. Not only do you get to enjoy the NBA's best duking it out for the right to advance to the playoffs, but FanDuel's giving all customers a bonus for getting in on the action. And the more you bet, the bigger your bonus. FanDuel is an official partner of the NBA. Their app is safe, easy to use, and you'll get your winnings fast. If you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, sign up today with my promo code WSBT to make every moment more. So don't just watch the NBA play-in tournament, two games tonight. Be part of it. Bet at least 20 bucks in same-game parlays and get an instant bonus, win or lose. Must be 21-plus and present in Indiana. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable. Free bets that expire in seven days. Max bonus, 100 bucks. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. For help with a gambling problem, call one 800 9 with it. We're going to take a timeout and we come back. Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com. Notre Dame football landed a commitment earlier this hour. We'll tell you about that and more next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Well, 
Earlier this hour, Notre Dame got a new commitment. It had been a while, actually, since Notre Dame had a commitment. It was kind of, to, you know, kind of starting to look like, man, are they going to get another one here pretty soon? But uh, a running back from Cincinnati committed, Brian Driscoll from IrishBreakdown.com, here uh, to talk about that and more. I'll just uh, let you kind of fill in the blanks. Jabron Payne committed this afternoon so what do you think well this is an interesting pickup sean because this is a kid that if you go look at his profile he was a kid that originally after a really good sophomore year he plays in that uh, that league in in uh, cincinnati the catholic league that's a, just an outstanding level of football and even as a sophomore um, you know he was a kid that averaged 10 yards a carry which is you know it's really imp- really impressive when you mm-hmm. look at it and then he missed all of his junior year. Uh, well, all but a part of one game of his junior year with a with an injury. He had a knee injury, and then he missed most of his senior year. He only had about 200 yards rushing this year. So he was a kid that kind of, with all the injuries, he'd kind of fallen under the radar. His original top five, Sean, included Notre Dame and Alabama hmm. and Penn State. Right. So that's the kind of kid that that's the kind of kid that he was. And then of course the injuries. No, Alabama backed off Notre Dame backed off and so he ended up committing to Indiana who wasn't even a part of his original top five yeah and of course that was Dylan McCullough and so coach McCullough takes a shot on him and they build up a strong relationship and then he ends up coming to Notre Dame coach McCullough does and then uh, less than a month later you saw uh, you saw Jabron Payne ask out of his letter of intent and Notre Dame did their due diligence to to make sure that the injuries were you know, stuff he was going to co- recover from, and then they went up and got him. And so uh, it, it's been an interesting kind of windy road for this young man. But if he's healthy, Sean, it's a really good football player. He was ranked as the number 150 player in the country before he got hurt. Hmm. Uh, and that was off of his sophomore film. So uh, really, really good pickup for Notre Dame. Gives them a fifth running back in this class. So uh, re- really strong pickup. Well, and really good football player. This is a 2022 kid, so he's going to mm-hmm. be in training camp. That's in right. August, and there's already a, a pretty stocked running back room. So, right. what, you know, what do you think about the overall composition of the room now when you add Payne to the mix? Well, I think it was needed, to be honest with you, because you really want to have five running backs on your roster. And when they made the decision not to bring Sebo uh, uh, Flemister back, you know, I mean, you're, you're down a guy. Chris Tyree was banged up a lot last year. He's had concussions issues this spring. You know, Logan Diggs was banged up, banged up this offseason. I think it gets you back to a little healthier place on your depth chart from a number standpoint. The other part of it too is, is I, I think with a guy like, like Jabron, because he has missed so much time, you don't have to rush him onto the field. Yeah. Right. You almost kind of look at it like, look, let's get him, shake the rust off, get him healthy. If he's good enough to play, then you play him. Uh, but if not, you're, you're kind of okay. Cause like normally Sean, I do not like red shirting skill players. There's just no point. Running backs aren't going to stay in college for five years and 99 times out of a hundred. If it's a kid that you want to stay for five years, right? right? This is just a look at Kyron situation. Williams, you know, right. And this is a unique situation because this kid has barely rushed for a, over a thousand yards for his entire career. I don't even think he has 200 career touches because of the injuries. So it's a situation where if he does kind of redshirt this year, you're like, look, this kid won't have the wear and tear on his body. This may be a kid that you can maybe have a little bit longer. So, uh, but he also could come in and if he is healthy and say, look, you know, Hey, I want to play too. And he adds, it's, it's interesting that, you know, the, the, You've got him and Jadarian Price now in the same class. And you say, okay, well, 
how, how does that work? And, and the comparison that I've, that I use on our radio show tonight or our podcast tonight was they are a more dynamic version of Sierra Wood and Theo Riddick. Hmm. We have two really different generic prices that home run, like vertical, smooth, explosive guy. Uh, Jabron Payne is that, you know, that one cut guy with that thick lower, you know, body, the running back build that can line up in the slot and catch the football and do all those kind of things. It's really kind of eerie how much they resemble those two players. And, and that's ideal because when you have two running backs that, that have somewhat different skill sets, there's a greater chance that you can actually use them together. And the more you can play guys together, the easier it is to keep a backfield of four or five guys happy because you can now find more roles for guys that can do different things. All right. So, again, Jabron Payne running back committing to Notre Dame. And, again, he'll be, uh, he'll be on campus this summer going through the workouts and all that stuff and in training camp in August with the team. Can I add one quick yeah. note to that too, Sean? Sure. This also, because he's a four-star recruit, this actually, when you tabulate his points for the recruiting rankings, this actually jumps Notre Dame up to number six on the rivals ranking and up to number six on the two seven two four oh, wow. seven sports ranking. Okay, so it has an impact from a perception standpoint too. They went from seven to six, uh, so Notre Dame finished this past year with the number six recruiting class in the country on rivals. All right, and again, I mean, part of it is the connection that you get with Dylan McCullough, who was uh, brought here because Marcus Freeman brought him here. So um, Brian Kelly. Uh, we got some more reading material on Brian Kelly and Ross Dellinger uh, from Sports Illustrated did a piece on him and you know nothing quite like the two that we saw last you know the two articles we saw last week but at the same time a couple interesting quotes kind of jumped out and he Kelly says LSU would have moved on to the next candidate if he hadn't left when he did here's the quote quote Everybody is like, how can you leave your team? LSU controlled the timeline. It wasn't the Brian Kelly timeline. The Brian Kelly timeline would have been, hey, can you wait for me, hold the job open, because I'd like to hang around Notre Dame until we know what's going on with the rankings, end quote. Go ahead. Oh, gosh. So, first of all, I just it's just more of Brian Kelly blaming others. Well, it's not my fault. I would have stayed. Right. Now it's LSU's but fault. It's LSU, you know, had this timeline just like it was Notre Dame's fault that I didn't like like Notre Dame was not going to let Brian Kelly coach in the Sugar Bowl well, after 2009, right? And he like, also you know, didn't say I asked them to wait. He's right. posing this more as a hypothetical. And, and so. then the whole I'm going to hang around Notre Dame. That like sums it's like that scene right. from Rudy. You just summed up your sorry butt <laughs> career in, you know, one sentence, you know what I mean? It's like you hung around Notre. I'm going to uh -huh. hang around Notre Dame, right? Like, right. It just it just encapsulates how Brian Kelly always viewed Notre Dame. It was Sean. You and I have known each other a long time. This is was one of we my have, biggest complaints we? about. We have, <laughs> yeah. I mean, before I was coaching, then when I was coaching, and now back to this. Yeah. Uh, it's it. You know, and this has been arguably my biggest complaint about Brian Kelly's entire time. Brian Kelly never viewed Notre Dame the way that that I think you need to view Notre Dame. It's it's why he never embraced Lou Holtz. It's why he didn't embrace former players because he never really cared about the tradition. It was always about what can Notre Dame do for me. And it's the same boat now. But, you know, look, if you really cared about your players and your team, then here's what you'd say to LSU. No. Because unless he's an idiot, he looks around and he knows the landscape. Lincoln Riley's already gone. Billy Napier's already turned you down. Mel Tucker turned you down. If you don't want me, who are you gonna hire? Where are they gonna go? Yeah, right. So, so, so spare me the whole. But you know, it'll get eaten up by the national media and all that kind of stuff. But I'm glad he did it. I'm glad he took it because number one, he exposed himself for who we've always known to be, 
And number two, if he wouldn't have left, and let's say LSU did call his bluff and hire somebody else, and we'd still be stuck covering Brian Kelly, and who knows what excuses we would have heard about <laughs> how this team isn't going to reach its potential in 2022 by the time we got to the end of the spring. Well, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say Notre Dame and LSU are both in better places now because of this. Do you? I, I would definitely agree about Notre Dame, for sure. <laughs> okay. For sure. So you're, not, you're not even going to say that, 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 that Brian Kelly is a step up from, from Ed Orgeron, huh? I mean, look, Ed Orgeron won more games against top 10 opponents in 2019 than Brian Kelly won in 12 years in Notre Dame. Well, that's fair, but he also lost a lot of games for a year sure. and a half after that, right? Sure, so, absolutely. Yeah. When Brian Kelly went 4-8 not that long ago. No, that's right? true. That's so, true. hey, you know, I mean, and look, yeah, I mean, is LSU going to be better off? I guess, you know, I mean, Brian Kelly's going to bring more stability. I don't know if he's going to recruit as well as Coach O, but he'll bring more stability. They won't have the kind of ups and downs like Coach O had. Because, look, they wanted to fire Orgeron before. If it wasn't for 2019, he never would have made it to 2021. Right. Like, he was on the hot seat going into 2019, and they just kind of – they kind of caught – caught fire so yeah i mean they're better off than they would have been sure you know if i'm gonna not be petty and and be honest and objective <laughs> yeah they're better off uh but it, it's it's more about it he's more less miles than he is you know a nick saban or anything like that and and un- unfortunately he won't be able to ride nick saban's coattails the way that less miles was because he's right. just not inheriting the roster that roster is a mess and it's good for him because now he has all the excuses in the world for why they're not going to be that good this year no, that's exactly right. I mean, he was already laying that out, a, a, oh, yeah. you know, a few media pieces ago. Mm-hmm. Real, real, as quick as you can, anyway, because I'm going to be. Well, I tell you what, we'll we'll just <laughs> let's save this for Monday because I'm up okay. against the clock a little bit Sounds here. Good. And I, I have, know a, that I can't I have be a feeling if I ask you this, we're going to go for a while. So, okay. so I can try. No, that's okay. Try. That's okay. okay. I, I appreciate it though, and uh, so uh, again, the you know the big news: Jabron Payne running back out of Cincinnati committing and i know that uh, you guys were just finishing up a live podcast so i appreciate you uh pushing back a little bit and jumping on with us to talk about it here it was interesting it was supposed to happen at three o'clock so we started yeah. the live show at three and then he tweets out at 326 oh i'm not doing it till five so we're like okay of course show canceled we'll see you back at five that's right uh but uh, it was worth the wait he's a good football player yep all right brian have a great easter weekend and i'll talk to you monday okay sounds good looking forward to it okay thanks brian driscoll from irish breakdown Take a timeout. Sports Center update coming up, and then Vince and I have rapid fire in the six o'clock hour on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Who wants to have some fun? Rapid fire starts now on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. And now your host, Sean Styers. Along with Vince D'Addario, Sean Styers, rapid fire on Budweiser's weekday. Sports beat. It is it is Friday and it is Good Friday, but the South Bend Riley Wildcats have a game tonight. It sounds like Vince. Yes, we do. We are playing against Laville, and uh, so we're hitting the road. And it's uh, our second of three games in a row. So uh, a very interesting uh, pitching situation for us. But hey, man, it's baseball. We're having fun. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, good luck tonight. <laughs> Let's uh, let's get into our topics yes. for today. There was a column uh, that Matt Fortuna wrote, a, uh, a national writer. He's written for you know different national outlets and stuff like that. He's with the Athletic now and uh, does some coverage still of Notre Dame. And he wrote a column this week about Brian Kelly, and he says 
Kelly has to win a national championship at LSU to justify leaving Notre Dame. So, Vince, do you buy or sell that? You know, that's really interesting because I think the the national perspective of Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame was to make an easier path for him to win a national title, right? So, yeah. and I think I think personally it is for him as well, but again, he did sign a contract for over $100 million. So, True. It, it, I'm sure that he's justified by leaving Notre Dame because he didn't get everything that he wanted at Notre Dame, like a chef, for example. <laughs> um, but I think... Overall, if you're looking at his legacy, if you're looking at his career, I think if he does not win a national championship at LSU, I'm going to buy that. I don't. I think that it would not justify him leaving Notre Dame. I, I think that he left to win, and yeah. he didn't see a path to win at Notre Dame, and so he left. And so if he doesn't win at LSU, I don't think it's justified. I think that he made a mistake, frankly, and. Even though he's got an extra hundred million dollars in the bank, which I would, I okay, I get that. Um, but from a career standpoint, from a career move, if he doesn't win, I, I, I don't think it's justified. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with what you're saying, and I agree with with the premise that Fortuna has because, you know, look, you know, we we talked about the articles that Brian Kelly had last week, and essentially everything was, look, the 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 the. The road was just too hard for me to win a national championship at Notre Dame because of all these obstacles that I still have, even though, you know, I've cleared out. And of course, when I'm saying I am, ta- you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Brian Kelly, you know, he's cleared out all these paths in, in his mind and all these roadblocks right. in his mind. But there were still more roadblocks in the way, whether it was the nutrition thing or, or getting, you know, renovations of the Goog. And, you know, let's. You know, the reality is, and again, we touched on this last week. Yeah, the Goog still needs upgrading, you know, because it's like, what? It's like almost going on 18, 17, 18 years old yeah. at this point, and it, and it got like outdated pretty long. fast. Yeah. yeah, and like to hear to hear other sort of national writers talk about it, and I think Fortuna actually mentioned this in his piece as well. Like when you, when you look in the Goog, it's like, okay, it's a nice enough building. It's, you know, got the weight. And you know all this stuff. It's got meeting rooms and all these different things. But you know, apparently, you go to some of these other places, <clears throat> the SEC especially. Their buildings are a lot more souped up and you know <laughs> better equipped than than the Goog is. Now, Brian Kelly also just pushed for a, a great indoor facility, and it is a great indoor facility and something that is needed, obviously, in this part of the country. So, you know, he had things here. I guess is is my point. Even though there were some areas that still needed to improve, but the bottom line is, like, if you read everything, all these things that Brian Kelly has said. He left to give himself a better chance to win a national championship. And he went to a place, LSU, where the last three head coaches have won national championships. Ed Orgeron, Les Miles before him, Nick Saban before that. And he's 60 years old. You know, you've got to fit, you know, he's got a 10 year contract. So that gets him till he's 70. And I mean, I just, I, I have to feel like. For everything that he gave up here at Notre Dame, whatever he saw as advantages or disadvantages, ultimately it wasn't just a paycheck that took him to LSU. It was about my legacy is only going to be defined by whether or not I win a national championship. Right. So I completely agree. I, I think he's got to win a national championship at LSU to to ultimately justify making that move. Yeah, absolutely. And he he's not shy about saying that, 
that's the way it goes. I mean, he he hasn't said, you know, my legacy will be defined by it, but mm-hmm. he's ba- but he has very clearly said why he left Notre Dame. I mean, it, they they didn't, you know, he feels like the university didn't step up for what he wanted. He wanted better, you know, all of these different things. There was another article that I read that's in Sports Illustrated where he just went on and on and on, and they interviewed other people who just went on and on and on about how much better things are at, right. at LSU and the recruiting and blah, blah, blah. We'll see. Yeah, it's. Uh, I touched on that article in the first hour of the show tonight as well, and it was interesting because that came up, and I'm like, I saw it this morning, and I'm like, oh, another Brian Kelly article. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but then I, I was like, well, let's see what this one has to say. Right. And I will say it was at least different than you know the two last week, which were basically the same article written, you know, with rearranged yeah. and with a slightly yes, different quotes, you know, it was all the same kind of stuff. At least he wasn't talking about the chefs and nutrition, you know, those kind of things. But yeah, you had Chuck Martin who used to coach for him here at Notre Dame, who's, you know, at Miami, Ohio and Brian Polian uh, who followed him down to LSU. And, you know, so you had some, there were at least, it, it, it was at least a little bit different. I, I wasn't exactly sure. Now I kind of felt sorry for that author because I didn't, I would guess that probably Brian Kelly did all those interviews within a span of, you know, probably what a week or something oh, like that. Probably less than that. And so, like, maybe it's good for this guy that he didn't release his last week as well when the other two came out. I wonder if he had to rewrite his after those first two came yeah. out last week. You know, well, and he but, he did a good job of getting other people's perspectives. Like yeah. he, he interviewed Brady Quinn, I believe. Yeah, that's he, right. You that's know, right. he interviewed uh, Mike Golick Jr. So I mean, there were some different perspectives, uh, obviously, on this whole thing. And and now, uh, you know, it's. It's actually pretty funny because now he's the cover boy on Sports Illustrated doing all of his dance moves. Let's dance. That's what it says. Yeah, that's right. All right. Let's uh, shift topics a little bit. Football, but different football. Mm -hmm. Another spring league is coming. Uh, The USFL, the revamped USFL, opens play this weekend. I've got a couple questions on this for you. The first, so... The USFL has teams like the New Jersey Generals, the Houston Gamblers, the Michigan Panthers, basically all the names, you know, the same names and cities of uh, the teams of the first USFL back in the 1980s. But here's the kicker. None of those cities are actually going to be hosting USFL games because the USFL is going to play all of its games in the same city. They're going to play everything in Birmingham, Alabama, so that, so that they can keep costs down for the league. Do you buy or sell that move, Vince? You know, I, I actually buy the move of having everything in the same place. I think that's actually smart. They're actually thinking about money, and they're going to get plenty of football fans down there in Alabama that want to come watch football. So that's not going to be a problem because, you know, there's not going to be any high school football going on. Uh, There's no college football going on outside of spring games. There's no NFL, right? So I think hosting all of the games in a very high football excitement area is a really good thing, and it keeps the cost down. I have no problem with that. Yeah. What I will sell, though, is – calling all of these teams based on the city that they were originally in in the 80s right like if you want to use the names that's totally fine i have no problem with that but then it should be the gamblers versus the panthers right you know that kind of a thing don't don't you know hold them to a city when some of these guys have probably never even been in that city you know what i mean like i have a i have a problem with that so just just drop the cities keep the mascots that's totally fine 
And, you know, if eventually you can get back to those cities, then great. You tack the name back on. Yeah. But for right now, just just use the mascots. I think, you know, that's that's a, a, a great point because what, you know, what what incentive are they giving these cities right. to be involved with these teams? You know, are they actually doing any marketing in these cities if they're only playing the games in Birmingham? You know, because, again, we're talking about – New Jersey, Houston, Michigan, you know, Philadelphia has a team, all these different places around the country. But again, they're playing all the games in Birmingham. So one, I'm going to be curious to see what kind of attendance they get in Birmingham because they're going to be playing all these games in the same stadium. It's it's the stadium where they play, you know, the Iron Bowl and all that kind of stuff, you know, Michigan and or not Michigan, but uh, Alabama and Auburn. But curious to see what kind of attendance these games get for one and you know is it going to be like high school tournaments where it's like you know you kind of roll two teams in you roll them out you clear right. the stadium and now you know <laughs> like an hour later you two more teams are playing or you know exactly what this is going to look like uh, tv is going to play a big part of this but i guess my point is obviously by not playing games in the home cities that these teams are named after whether it's houston michigan new jersey whatever it happens to be you're obviously not giving the fans a chance to actually see the product. You know, I know there are national TV contracts and all that stuff. So they're going to be playing these games on national TV and people will be able to see it that way. But you're obviously not going to actually give fans of those cities a chance to attend. So I think that's a great point. Like, you know, unless there is some kind of other marketing going on in these cities, which I don't understand why there would be because Because they can't get there. They're going to make a road trip from New Jersey down to Alabama to watch a USFL team that they really have no connection to. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Just, like, ditch the city names and go with the mascots because if – and apparently this is supposed to take place for at least the next three years if they make it that far. Wow. So Wow. Yeah, I, I it's a big sell for – you know, it's I, I understand what they're trying to accomplish by keeping yep. the cost down, but you're obviously not, you know, doing any actual catering to the fans of the cities that these – teams are supposed to be based in because everyone's just basically living in hotels for the course of the season in the same right. city, Birmingham, Alabama. It's really right. curious. It's, I mean, it's almost like, you know, COVID protocols, you know, like playing under like, a bubble. They're that in the kind bubble. Of thing. Yeah. It's like the USFL bubble in Birmingham. So, <laughs> all right, whatever. All right. So that leads me to my next question. Over under three and a half years, you think this new USFL will last? Well, when you just mentioned the fact that they are supposed to be there for three years and the last iteration of spring football, they couldn't even finish the season. Um, now, I realize it's a, a different group of people and all of that. And, and COVID did play into and that. Co- you're right. Yeah. COVID absolutely played in, into that. Three years is a long time, man. I, if, I was a, if I was a betting man, I'm going to say under. Um, just because I haven't seen the success of that spring football, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Although I personally dig it. Like I I have no problem with it. I think that the NFL could use a minor league type system. Um, but I think the NFL needs to be more involved with it if that is going to be the case. But, um, I think the NFL just is kind of sitting back though and waiting to see how successful this is going to be before they get involved. So, um, I'm going to say under, because I don't know how successful it needs to be before the NFL gets involved. Uh, and I, I just, I'm not that optimistic about it, although I am in favor of it. Yeah, I mean, the big things that have come out of these leagues are like how the technology has led, you know, the NFL to do some different things. Like apparently the USFL, you know, well, they had their, their preseason exhibition games last weekend and they had 
electronic first down markers, basically. So you're not using, you know, the 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 yardsticks and chains and all that stuff. They're actually using technology for first downs. There's chips in the balls and all that, which makes I dig it. yeah, which makes perfect sense. So like I could see the NFL stealing some of that technology. You know, that's that's kind of what's again come up with the last few of these leagues is it's just led the NFL to kind of grab off and, you know, change, change some things. I just, I I think what we just talked about, maybe that helps them. They're going to keep the cost down by not, you know, paying for all the travel and all that kind of stuff. So that potentially helps them. And I, I think that the TV aspect of it, what kind of TV ratings they get, and then the gambling aspect, you know, how much does that play into it as well? Just yeah, you know, yeah. giving, with all the sports wagering, giving people uh, a product to bet on. I still think that you've got to know the names. And again, there's no right. real commitment from a fan standpoint if the teams aren't even going to be in the cities that they're supposed to be in. So I've I've got to go under as well. I, I don't think – none of these leagues have made it that long. So I, right. I, I maybe this is the one that bucks the trend. They're going to have a competitor next year, by the way, with the XFL. So another league is going to oh, come along. Oh, they're coming back. Huh? Yeah. I mean, you know, they're, they're still that. giving it a shot. So. All righty. But I've got to go under three and a half as well. That leads to one final question. How long do you think it needs to last before you would consider it a success, actually? Ooh, you know, again, I don't know what the NFL is looking at as far as getting involved, but I I personally feel if the NFL doesn't get involved, it's not going to last long term, right? So I would say if it is quote-unquote successful for two years, um, then, then I think the NFL kind of steps in and they start having some talks, right? So... Um, I need to see this. I need to see this league for more than one season. Yeah. So I will say if they can get two full seasons in, I think there's a chance that they could go further. Yeah. And I, I just think, I think two would be a short term success. I think you make it past four years, you know, you go like a full four, then you've had some success because again, none of these other leagues that have tried it have made hmm. it that far. So I think you get to four or okay. three, four then it's a real success. You know, four and then we're heading toward five. I would consider it a real success. But I think even that is going to be, you know, a struggle for you. Right. Know, it's going to be a challenge for him to get that far. So, all right, we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we've got some baseball topics we're going to tackle, including the unwritten rules of baseball, the uh, new universal DH, and a gift that Rob Manfred had for his players. We've got South Bend Cubs baseball coming up here in just a little to Dario Sean Styers, and it is rapid fire in Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Rapid fire continues on Budweiser's weekday sports beat with Vince Dario Sean Styers, getting closer to South Bend Cubs baseball coming up here in just a little bit. Now, Vince, earlier this week, the San Francisco Giants were leading the San Diego Padres by nine runs in the sixth inning. So it's the sixth inning. One of the Giants players with a nine-run lead drops down a bunt single. And that, of course, ticked off the Padres. You know, the unwritten rules of baseball and all that. So here's a clip from Giants manager Gabe Kapler with his response and his rationale. Also support the decision that Dubon made to bunt right there. And our goal is not exclusively to win one game in a series, it's to try to win the entire series. So um, sometimes that means trying to get a little bit deeper into the opposition's pen. And I understand that that's, um, that many teams 
don't love that strategy. Um, and I get why. And it's something that we talked about it as, as a club before the season and that we were comfortable going forward with that strategy. It's not to be disrespectful in any way. It's because we feel just very cool and strategic. It's the best way to try to, to win a series. So when I say cool, I mean like calm. It's not, we're not emotional about it. We're not trying to hurt anybody. We just want to um, score as many runs as possible, force the, the other pitcher to throw as many pitches as possible. And if other clubs decide that they want to do th the same thing to us, we're not going to have any issue with it. Okay, so Vince, you're a baseball coach. Mm -hmm. Where do you stand on all this? You know, I, I kind of stand on, look, there's a fine line between blowing somebody out, right? And and being respectful of the rules and all of those things, right? I get it because I've been on, you and I have both been on both sides of a blowout, mm -hmm. right? I, I've I've been blown. It's funny, this week, for example, I got blown out on Monday and then we blew a team out yesterday. <laughs> so, it you know, it, it just depends on the day and the opponent, uh -huh. right? And in Major League Baseball, you're playing a series, and that series involves the same bullpen. And if I can work a guy's pitch count a little bit and make him throw a few more pitches because I know we're going to play them again tomorrow, I'm probably going to do it, to be honest with you. Yeah. And if you can't feel the bunt, then maybe that you need to look in the mirror, <laughs> I guess I'll say. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have an issue with that at all. I mean, if, if people are – bunting is part of the game. Yeah, and if and if you can't field your position, if you can't field a bun, and a guy gets a single, maybe that's on you. You know, I, I'm sorry, I don't have a problem with it. I know it was a nine run lead. I get that, but at the same time, get me out. I feel the same way, the exact same way, and especially considering the fact this was the sixth inning. So right. that means you've still got, you know, the next. You're a little bit more than halfway through the game at that point. And that's Anything it. Anything can happen yeah, in those innings. You've still got, for the other team, there's nine outs to go. Who's to say you're going to keep that lead, you know? And, and I just I, I just don't understand, like, all this old-school thinking that all of a sudden you're supposed to shut it down because you've got a lead in the middle of a game and you're not supposed to embarrass the other team and all this stuff. You're big boys. You know, these are all big boys. They're, they're playing professional baseball. And just like you said, you know, we've both been on both sides of these things and you know when you're standing there when you're the guy in the third base you know coach's box there's some decisions you've got to make about you know when you've got a big lead you know like do i keep sending runners and all those different kind absolutely. of things you am know? i hitting running am i doing you yeah know, all of, absolutely yeah and you know it's like how station to station how much are you sure. supposed to slow things down just because that happens to be your day. And I, I completely agree with what Kapler's saying about, you know, and it, it, I think a lot of people never really maybe have, have thought about it before he said it. The fact that you're in the middle of a series. And when you're talking about a series, you're playing more than one game against the other team. And, and so you, you're making them have to make decisions about who can go, who can't go out of the bullpen and those kind of things. So I have no absolutely zero problem with it. And I'm I'm just continually amazed by the number of people who do have problems with this kind of stuff. You know, it's like just just it just comes back to the same old thing. If you don't like it, get them out. You know, yeah, there's that. That's exactly. It's like when a, a, a football team just is running between the tackles and yeah. the other team can't stop them. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, right. I, I, we're not just going to put a knee on it, number one. And then I'm not going to just tell my batter to go up there and just swing wildly at three pitches to get out of the game. I'm not. 
that's that's not fair to my kids and that's not honestly that's not fair to the other team either right you know because do they really want to play against a team that's just going to go up there and swing the bat three times regardless of where the ball is and all no they don't want to do that. that's embarrassing go up there and play the game you know and again if you can't feel the bunt look in the mirror okay because i don't know if the, and i i didn't see it so i don't know if they were in a shift or what the situation was but come on man you've got to be able to feel the bunt that's exactly it that's exactly it get them out if you don't like it all right first week of major league baseball games are in the book and baseball of course is using the new universal designated hitter for the first time you're a you're a fan of a national league team the cubs scale of one to ten how much do you miss not seeing pitchers hit in major league baseball games i one i don't miss it at <laughs> all i i have you know originally you know when i first started watching baseball i was you know a quote-unquote purist where you know you got to be an all-around player and you've got to do this and you got to do that and pitchers should hit and all that i am so far away from that as a fan because i am sick of watching pitchers flail at the ball mm -hmm. and just look terrible it's like they've never they don't even try to to work on their hitting it's very clear you know what i mean some guys go up there without even like you know batting gloves on right and they're like borrowing somebody's bat i mean it's just, it's it is embarrassing i feel like i've got kids on my high school team that could put a better showing together at the plate than these professional baseball players and so i don't miss it at all you know put yeah. a professional hitter in the box and let's see what happens I, I understand where people are coming from from a double switch and you know all of these different things that managers do at the end and a, the strategy and I, I get all of that but i'm sick and tired of watching pitchers hit i i've seen too much of it i don't like it and frankly the cubs won a world series because they won games with a dh and an al ballpark and so I'm all for a DH. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I would much rather, you know, again, just it kind of goes a little bit back to what we were just talking about, you know, by, by having an act, actual professional hitter in the batter's box, there's as much strategy there because, you know, Good it, point. it goes back to the bullpen. And, you know, and it also goes to there are still, pl you know, platoons and stuff like that. You're going to use a right-hand guy. You're going to use a left-hand guy. There are different things that you can do with it. And I, and I just, I'm going to be really curious to see, because I would imagine like at the end of May or sometime around the all-star break, someone's going to put out some numbers on where the, you know, run totals are, you know, with the, the universal DH compared to the last couple of years without it and, and what it's meant to the offense. I've got to imagine it's going to mean more offense. And that's, that's what it's all about. You know, we're, we're still talking about a sport that is struggling to provide, you know, interest to the casual fan, sure. I guess. And the way you do that is get those pitchers out of there and get actual offense. Yeah, get hitters in the batter's box and score more runs. And I think that and and I have not missed it at all, you know, and I've had, you know, when I sit here and work from home, you know, I've got games on National League, you know, whatever in the background and I it's it's like another hitter is coming to the plate, and it's exactly. not you know, you know it's not almost an automatic out that's coming to the plate. Or now we've just got a bunt, you know, because it's the pitcher and these different kind of things. So, I'm with you. I don't miss it at all. I I think that it's been so far pretty smooth, and and I think that it's ultimately long term going to be better for the game. I do too. I think they're going to bring fans back to a degree because of offense, and offense is what gets fans in the seats. I mean, 
diehard baseball fans enjoy defense. Don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy the the matchups between pitchers and with with pitchers and catchers and and hitters and all that. But you know, I'm a coach. Of course, I should you know appreciate that. <laughs> But diehard baseball fans, they want action. You know what I mean? They don't want a no-hitter. They, they want to see the ball put in play. And if if baseball has an attendance issue, this is one way to at least help solve it. Yep. All right, another baseball question. Fill in the blank. Rob Manfred, baseball commissioner, trying to repair his relationship with players. So on opening day last week, he had a pair of Bose headphones and a letter of appreciation waiting for each player at his locker before their first game and that move is blank i mean it's a nice gesture obviously i mean you're you're giving a gift to multimillionaires most of them not now some of them are making what five hundred thousand dollars a year right that's they can still afford their own bose headphones at that point <laughs> um considering i see bose headphones on a lot of kids walking around my school i'm sure um you know so i i appreciate i would I, here's what i would say i would say i appreciate the gesture um, he's trying to, you know, extend an olive branch, if you will. And I, I guess I appreciate that. I don't know, you know, if it wasn't the Bose headphones, okay, what would these million dollar athletes enjoy? Right. Like what, I, you know, I don't know. What is the level <laughs> that you have to go to to satisfy right. a major league baseball player? Right. Who, you know, exactly. most guys, even if they're, even if they're not making millions are still making a couple hundred thousand bucks a year so they can right. still afford a lot, you know, probably means exactly. more, probably means more to a rookie. Let's be honest than Max Scherzer Absolutely. or, you know, somebody along those lines. Yeah. So, I mean, the gesture's <laughs> nice. And so I don't, I don't even think it matters what it was that he gave, but just, uh, Hey, here, here's a nice, here's a gesture. Here's a note from me. I actually don't have a problem with it. I think it's a good move. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's better than nothing, you know, because, yeah. again, there, there are going to be some cynics who say, oh, Bose headphone, you know, and, again, like these players can <laughs> afford a pair of Bose headphones. Well, he didn't have to do anything, and at the very least, he realizes kind of where he is trending, I guess, you know, after an, the, another bad round of labor negotiations. He's the heel on this and you know he's got one of the worst reputations of any commissioner in a long time and that's saying something considering we had bud selig for a long time before him you know so i i I think just like you said it's a nice gesture um but he's still got a long ways to go before he really patches this up. I'd be yeah. curious to know just like what every guy what did the with his headphones. Was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like who who pitched him, who gave him to it, you know, to somebody, or you know, who I'm just how how many guys are actually wearing their Bose headphones around right now? I'd like to that's know a good that point. as well. <laughs> no, that's a really good point. I, I would have to imagine that most of them gave them to somebody. Like, yeah. you know, what if okay, if I'm in their shoes, okay, what would I do with a a, a free pair of Bose headphones? I'd give it to one of the clubhouse workers or there you, you go. Know, some something along those lines. Guys yeah. that are that are making minimum wage or the whatever. The bullpen catcher, you yeah. know, who's making like 50,000 a year or something exactly. like that. Exactly. That's yeah. my dream job, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is your dream job. Well, Vince, we've got to wrap it up now. Tonight, we've got South Bend Cubs baseball on the way. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers. Tim Grell State Farm Insurance, call 232-9981. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger and the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Again, top story today, running back Jabron Payne has committed to Notre Dame. He's an incoming freshman and will be with the team this summer, going through workouts and all that, and in fall training camp. 
as well. That's going to do it for tonight. Have a great Easter weekend. South Bend Cubs baseball with Brendan King coming up next from Fort Wayne on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.